Okay. 2,000 years ago, uh, the Word of God came to the Apostle John, and it said, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made by Him. Everything was made through Him, and without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of men. And he says, and that light shines in the darkness, and the darkness didn't comprehend it. God said to Paul that all things were created through him and for him. John continues that he was in the world and the world was made through him, but the world didn't know him. He came to his own, but his own didn't receive him. He has many names. These are just a few of the names he has in the, in the Bible. He has so many names. A lot of places in the Bible, it'll take two or more of these names and put them together to describe him. Because one name just isn't enough. His name is beyond all names. He is greater than a name. How can you give a name to someone like this? But these names appear throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament for our benefit, to try to help us understand Him. And when studying the Bible, there's one thing you really need to know. This is really important. When you're reading the Bible, you need to know that it's all about Him. It's all about Him. It's about what He has done. It's about what He has done for us, what He has created, and about how His creation has responded to Him, how much He loves His people, and what He has done for us, and how we have responded to that love. Some would seek after Him. Some would call on His name, but most would reject Him and turn away. As Yancey said in his sermon, the Bible is organized in topics and in sections. And the first section, the law, then the history, then the books of wisdom, and then the books of prophets. But if you were to reorganize these in chronological order, by date, it might look something like this. The first books, the Pentateuch, the law, starts first from the beginning of time. Within that time, the book of Job was written in some of the Psalms. The Psalms are unique because they cover many different people who wrote these things and covers quite a bit of the whole Old Testament. Then <clears throat> some of the books of wisdom were written, and uh, some of the history was written rather than some of the books of wisdom 
during that time, which was written some more history with Samuel and these prophets that wrote during this time. And then more history in Kings and the prophets that wrote during that time. More history there, Ezra Chronicles, and the last prophet who wrote during that time. Now, when you read these books and you read most, especially this history, the books of history, one thing you notice is it's filled with a great deal of suffering. A lot of suffering is described in this history. Suffering caused by people who rejected the Lord. People that turned away from the Lord. And the ruler of those is described as Satan, the devil, who is mentioned in the book of Job. Job was a good man, but Satan caused a great deal of suffering in his life. He took everything he had, and he caused him to suffer. He, He tormented him. He tortured him every day with excruciating pain. But in the middle of it all, in his darkest hour, his Redeemer was with him. And in the middle of all of this, he said, For I know that my Redeemer lives, and he shall stand at the last on the earth. And after my skin is destroyed, this I know, that in my flesh I shall see God. This deliverer, he was also with Israel when they cried out in suffering in Egypt. And he delivered them with a mighty hand and brought them out. This king of kings was with them the day that they decided that they didn't want him to be king over them anymore. Give us a king like all the other nations have so he could rule over us and fight for us. And so he gave them kings The first three kings each reigned 40 years. And then the kingdom was divided between Judah and Israel. And what followed was a series of kings. Some of them were good. And they followed the Lord. And they got the people to follow the Lord and do what He said. Most were evil and wicked And they caused the people to turn away from God and follow idols and sin. This rejecting God couldn't last. And it wasn't going to last. And He was going to end it. And He was going to take the kingdoms away from them. Before He did, He sent prophets. And the rest of the Bible is these words that the prophets wrote as they tried to get Israel to turn back to God, to turn away from their evil ways and avoid destruction. And they all wrote how the everlasting king was coming to save them all. Obadiah was a prophet in 
Judah during a time of these wicked kings. And, and because of, they had turned away from their protector, the Lord, God was allowing their enemies to come and fight against them and to kill them. And they were trying to maneuver and they needed to go through the land of Edom, but the Edomites refused to let them pass. <clears throat> Obadiah uh, condemns the Edomites and says, for, for not allowing them to do so. And he says that Israel was going to take their land. Their land, God was going to give over to Israel. Which he did shortly after this. But at the end of the book, he speaks of hope. And he says, Then Savior shall come to Mount Zion to judge the mountains of Esau, and the kingdom shall be the Lord's. The prophet Joel was a prophet in Judah during a great famine. And after the famine ravaged the land, locusts came in and took almost everything else that was left. But Joel said there was something coming much worse than locusts. He said because Judah had rejected God and were now worshiping idols and other things, that he was going to take them just like the locusts took their land. But there was hope. He said a day of salvation was coming. He said, and it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. And also on my maidservants, on my maidservants and my maidservants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. And I will show wonders in the heavens and in the earth, blood and fire and pillars of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. <clears throat> and it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. The prophet Jonah was a prophet near Israel. And... He became a pattern like the Messiah to come when he spent three days in the belly of the great fish. And afterward he came out and he preached to the city of Nineveh as God commanded him. A wicked city. And he preached for a long time and eventually they all turned back to God. God demonstrating just how far he was willing to go to save his people. A glimpse of what we later see he was about to do. Amos um, was a prophet in Israel during great prosperity. It was good times. They had great wealth. And things were just prosperous. But Amos saw that underneath it all was corruption and much wickedness. And he chastises the people for neglecting God's word and for their greed and for neglecting the poor. And he says, because of all this, 
God was going to come down against them. And he's going to take away their kingdom. But in the end, he prophesied that the Lord would build a new kingdom. He says, on that day I will raise up the tabernacle of David, which has fallen down and repair its damages, and I will raise up its ruins and rebuild it in the last, as in the days of old, that they may possess the remnant of Edom. And all the Gentiles who are called by my name, says the Lord who does this thing. Hosea. Hosea was a prophet with a broken heart. While Israel remained physically prosperous, they continued to decline morally into greater sin and more idolatry. Hosea Hosea uh, marries a prostitute named Gomer. And he loves her very much. And unfortunately, although he is faithful to her, she is not faithful to him. And she goes back to her former, former lovers. And he still loves her though. And he goes after her. And he compassionately seeks after her and, and wins her heart back and brings her back. And the Lord tells Hosea that this, how this parallels what Israel is doing to him. How they have left him to serve others. And he writes how the Redeemer is coming to save his bride who has gone away. He says, oh Israel... You are destroyed, but your help is from me. I will ransom them from the power of the grave. I will redeem them from death. O death, I will be your plagues. O grave, I will be your destruction. Micah was also a prophet during this time of great prosperity. And He describes this vision God gave him of the coming destruction of both Israel and Judah. And he said it was because of their corrupt rulers, their corrupt priests, and their false prophets and cheating merchants. But he also also prophesies of a coming Messiah. And he says he's coming to this insignificant little village called Bethlehem. He says, but you, Bethlehem, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler in Israel, whose going forth are from old, from everlasting. Isaiah also was prophesying at this same time. And he says that the Assyrians are coming and they're going to completely take Israel. And there's nothing they can stop it at this point. Israel has refused to repent. But he warns Judah. He says, you are going to fall too. 
from the Babylonians. The Babylonians are going to take you unless you repent. Unless you turn back to God. The Babylonians are going to take your land. Because God's giving it to them. But Isaiah has a message of hope for those in captivity. He says, therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And Isaiah told how this lamb, which was slain since the beginning of time, would come. He says, he was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened out not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before the shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. Nahum is a sequel to the book of Jonah. It was... About 150 years had passed since Jonah went and preached to the city of Nineveh. And they have turned completely back away from God. In fact, it says they were even more wicked now than they were before Jonah preached to them. And so, the Lord sends his prophet Nahum to tell them that they were going to be destroyed. That the Assyrians are going to be destroyed with them, and they would soon be conquered by Babylon themselves. And however, he says, there is a remnant in Judah that would be saved forever. He says, behold on the mountains, the feet of whom, him who brings good tidings, who proclaims peace. O Judah, keep your appointed feasts, perform your vows, for the wicked one shall no more pass through you. He is utterly cut off. Zephaniah. Zephaniah uh, prophesies during the reign of Josiah, Judah's last good king. And though he is a good king, he dies, and those that follow just completely take Judah downhill. And it's, it's no going up from there. And he prophesies that, um, that this coming day of the Lord... And he says, in this coming day of the Lord, that's coming later, he's going to destroy everything. He's going to burn it all up. And all the wicked, everyone on the face of the earth will be destroyed. Yet, yet, he still says, there is hope. He says, seek the Lord. All you meek of the earth who have upheld his justice, seek righteousness, seek Humility. It may be that you will be hidden in the day of the Lord's anger. He says, In that day it shall be said to Jerusalem, Do not fear, Zion, let not your hands be weak. The Lord your God in your midst, the Mighty One, will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you with His love. He will rejoice over you with singing. Habakkuk. Habakkuk was a prophet, and he saw 
at this time how wicked Judah was and how corrupt they were. And he, and he asked God, he asked God, why, why are you still allow, allowing Judah to prosper when they've turned away from you? When they've forsaken you? Why are you still letting them prosper so much? And God says that I am sending the Babylonians with my correcting rod. And he says, okay. Then he says, but why, why are you coming to punish the wicked of Judah with the even worse Babylonians? They're even more wicked. Why are you sending them to punish them? And God assures him that he is just. And he also says that it is man's responsibility to have faith in him. God says, for the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it will speak and it will not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it, because it will surely come, it will not tarry. And at the end of this book, Habakkuk is, is shown something and he, he understands more clearly what is coming from the Lord. And he prophesies about it. He says, you went forth for the salvation of your people. For salvation with your anointed. Well, the Babylonian Empire comes and they take these kingdoms the kingdom of Judah. And they carry away most of, the, most of the people to captivity in Babylon, just as the prophets said they would. Ezekiel is a priest in the temple of Jerusalem, and he is taken away. And he becomes this prophet of God in Babylon. And God starts sending these visions to him, and also uh, David at the same time, and Jeremiah. And in Ezekiel chapter 37, there's this vision recorded that he had. And he, he sees this valley full of dry bones. Bones on every side. And it's filled with these bones. And in this vision... The Lord asks him, he says, he says, can these bones live again? Ezekiel replies, only you know, O God. And the Lord says, prophesy to them. Prophesy to them. And he does. He begins to speak. And as he's speaking to these bones, flesh starts forming on them. And then the breath of life enters them. And they all stand up on their legs. It says a vast and mighty army. And then God says, I will make them one nation in the land. On the mountains of Israel. And one king shall be king over them all. They shall no longer be two nations. Nor shall they ever be divided into two kingdoms again. 
They shall not defile themselves anymore with their idols, nor with their detestable things, nor with any of their transgressions. He says, but I will deliver them from all their dwelling places in which they have sinned and will cleanse them. Then they shall be my people and I will be their God. Speaking here of the kingdom which we're in now, which came. Lamentations is a group of five poems lamenting the former time of Jerusalem, when it was great, when God was their, their God and they were living in that land. And though it seems they have lost everything at this point, Jeremiah, who wrote this, Jeremiah still has hope. He says, The Lord is my portion. Says my soul, therefore I hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. O Lord, you have pleaded the case for my soul. You have redeemed my life. And then Jeremiah continues in the book of Jeremiah, prophesying about what's to come, about this new everlasting kingdom and this new covenant that God was going to make with His people. He says, In those days and that time, says the Lord, the children of Israel shall come, they and the children of Judah together. With continual weeping they shall come and seek the Lord their God. They shall ask the way to Zion with their faces toward it, saying, Come and let us join ourselves to the Lord in a perpetual covenant covenant that will not be forgotten. Daniel, the prophet Daniel was taken into captivity in Babylon when he was young. And he became a great prophet and one of the greatest leaders of Babylon. And he was brought in and he talks about these three people, his friends that came with him, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And they refused to bow down to the idols of Babylon. And so the king, Nebuchadnezzar, had them thrown into the fiery furnace. And it was so hot that it burned the people that threw them in to death. Verse 24 says, Then king Nebuchadnezzar was astonished, and he rose in haste and spoke, saying to his counselors, Did we not cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? And they answered and said, True, O king. Look, he answered, I see four men loose, walking in the midst of the fire and not hurt. And the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. Daniel also refused to bow down to these idols and was thrown into the lions and escaped unharmed as God protected him. Daniel spoke of many visions and he also interpreted dreams. And one of the dreams was that was given him was a statue, a big, huge idol. And it was divided in sections. And each of the sections, he said, represented a kingdom. And he went forth and he, and he described every kingdom that was going to come through history. And he described it perfectly. 
And he said the last kingdom would be different. And of that kingdom, he writes, And in the days of these kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom which will never be destroyed. And the kingdom shall not be left to other people. It shall break into pieces and consume all these kingdoms. And it shall stand forever. Haggai was a prophet among the Jews who returned to Jerusalem after the Babylonian exile. A bunch of them came back from Babylon. And God tells them to rebuild the temple in Jerusalem. And so he has the temple rebuilt. But after they built it, when you looked at it, they said it was as nothing compared to the old temple, the way it was when Solomon and David built it. It was as nothing. But God comforts them. And he tells them that he was going to build a temple himself that would be far greater than the old temple was. And he says, For thus says the Lord of hosts, Once more I will shake heaven and earth the sea and the dry land. And I will shake all nations and they shall come to the desire of all nations. And I will fill this temple with glory, says the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine. The gold is mine, says the Lord of hosts. The glory of this latter temple shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place I will give peace, says the Lord of hosts. Zechariah prophesied at this same time. And he tells how God was going to build this temple and what it was going to cost. He says, And thus says the Lord of hosts, saying, Behold, the man whose name is the branch, from his place he shall branch out, and he shall build the temple of the Lord. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. And I will pour on the house of David and all the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and supplication. Then they will look to me, whom they pierce. A hundred years go by. And God's people, after they had returned, fall away again. They go back to their old habits. They neglect the Word of God. And they become just kind of apathetic about Him. They don't really care anymore. And so God sends one more prophet. Malachi. And Malachi speaks to these people who haven't learned from the past. And he tells them that the day of the Lord is coming when he will destroy the whole earth with fire. He will destroy all the wicked 
and the proud. They will all be burned up. But he says, to you who fear my name, the Son of Righteousness shall rise with healing in his wings. Behold, I will send to you Elijah, the prophet, before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, and the hearts of the children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the earth with a curse. And then the prophets were silent. There was no more prophecies for 400 years. Not a one. This is his testament. It's all about him. About his world and about what he has done for his people. He did come. What the prophets said all came to pass. And he brought salvation to this dying world. As John wrote, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Do you see the Redeemer in in these words, in these pages. Have you seen Jesus and the life He offers you today? His glory, have you seen it? He is here. He is with us today. And if you haven't accepted Jesus, you're missing out on the greatest gift that was ever given. The greatest thing that you will ever be offered. And if he isn't a priority in your life, make him so. Think about how important he really is. And if you need to make a change, change your life so he is the center of your life. Because he is the center of this universe. I want to encourage you, if you need to make a change, to do so tonight. If you would like the prayers of the church today, Please come forward now and we can assist you as we stand and sing.